Hey, real quick, I just wanted to let you know that Gabba Gabba Hunt is now a record store. Well, not really a store, but a booth at an antique store located in Eastridge Mall in Gastonia, North Carolina. Vintage Village is three stores down from Dillard's on the left. And my booth is on the left side of Vintage Village. It's the one with all the records. You can't miss it. I've got over a thousand records, toys, t-shirts, DVDs, VHS, all kinds of stuff there. So come check it out. Gabba Gabba Hunt Records and Vintage Goods located in Vintage Village at Eastridge Mall, Gastonia, North Carolina. This episode of Gabba Gabba Hunt Talks is sponsored by Hobo Wolfman Records. Hobo Wolfman Records is home to local bands The Fill-Ins, The Body Bags, and Home for the Day. But check out all the stuff they have on their webpage, including some kick-ass new hats and shirts. Check them out at HoboWolfmanRecords.com. You are now listening to the Gabba Gabba Hunt Talks Podcast, where we bring you conversations with people connected to the Carolina's underground music scene. Your host, Mike Phillips of Van Huskins. Hey. What's up? Can you hear me? Can't hear you, I don't think. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Um, oh, I know what the problem is. Talk now. Hey. There we go. It was my fault. Okay. <laughs> it was actually a knob on my um, little recording deal. Yeah. That's what I'm That's what I'm monitoring through. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't know. I thought it could have been on my end. Because um, I don't record my audio through. Or what you're, you're hearing me through the webcam. Yeah, and when I when it first went, it looked like you couldn't hear me. I'm like, oh shit, did I, I didn't test it out to make sure it looked like it was working on my end. <laughs> it was, a, man. There's a knob on these things, and it's um, it's like a blend knob between input and playback. Yeah, and uh, when I use it for something like this, instead of it being like the playback from a recording, you know, like the tracks you've already laid down, it's the audio from the other person. Yeah. Which is really useful because I can I can make my audio and yours suitable for me, you know the, the volume levels and. But I had it all the way on the side of me because earlier I was just sitting here, listening to what all this microphone would pick up because it's kind of sensitive. Yeah, it's like this one right here. I would I turn my ceiling fans. I, one of them I had to turn off, and the other one I turned all the way down. I got to have some circulation in here, but um, it just picks up everything. And I can I can clean some of it up with noise reduction, but. Less I have to do that, the better my audio is. Yeah. So I can do that on both tracks. And, you know, I usually do it once regardless. Um, but if I have to do any more than that, like when I do on that, that flight risk episode, I had to run it so many times trying to get that cricket noise down because <laughs> the way I had the microphone set up, and this is what I was talking about, how I kind of want to talk a little bit about how I do the podcast on here. And, and I'm going to go ahead and use some of this. I won't do the introduction yet as usual. Um, but so the way I had the microphone set up, we did that one around a campfire and I just set the microphones up. They were sitting on the ground, just pointed in that direction. You know, those little stands I've got there, they're tiny. Um, mm-hmm. and just, they were pointed in general direction and each one pointed at two people and one pointed at me. So, uh, and of course different people talked at different volumes. And so like Jason was pretty easy to pick up. He was loud. Um, Joey is a little quieter. Travis was really quiet because he hadn't been drinking. He was sober that night. And uh, Brian, <laughs> Brian's got one of those deep voices that, that the microphone just struggles to pick up sometimes, especially at a distance. So I had to crank him way up. And me too sometimes. And whenever I'd have to crank it that up, of course, the cricket noise went up. 
And so by the time I got to the end of it, I kind of figured out a really cool way to do it. It actually worked really well and didn't degrade my audio too much. But, um, and I can't remember, I think it was on the Jeff Clayton episode. I fucked with mine so much that it, my, my audio didn't sound that great. I can't remember if that was a winner. Oh, yeah. But it was, it was one, it's a learning process. And so I, I, fi- I figured out better ways to deal with it, but I've still learned that maybe I need to invest in some big stands, some tall stands to take with me f- to things like that so I can at least get them closer to everybody. Yeah. That's all. I got a boom stand right now. I don't know if you can see it at all, but the microphone's just like right here. Yeah. That's like mine. I've got this, got this, uh, boom stand that I attach to my desk and, you know, I can move it in and out and stuff, but I, I set it up like this and then crank it up to where it picks me up. So I don't have to be right up on it. Yeah. I'm, I'm really sibilant. So I got two popper stoppers, one that's actually made out of like thick t-shirt material. I just took the hoop and covered it in that yeah. over the old foam. Then I've got like a pencil that's rubber banded to the front of the microphone. Yeah. It just covers up the center of the capsule a little bit. It helps deal with that too. Okay. Yeah. But I have to, I found I have a, yeah, I make a lot of S syllables and stuff. Just T <laughs> sounds is like, yeah. So I'm, especially with singing, so I have to do a lot to guard against that. Otherwise, I'm trying to use a DS or and always overdoing it and ruining the overall sound of the vocals. You know, yeah, it, it kind of dulls them. Yeah, but you know, speaking to that though, it's probably going to be a while before I do another one in person anyway. Um, so the next one I do in person will probably be outdoors. So I'll have to think about that a little bit, but the one we were doing right now, and I'm, I'm talking to John Bowman of, uh, war boys and a lot of other bands, but, um, war boys and currently working on some solo stuff. But, uh, we were supposed to do this one in person today. Um, despite COVID I've been every now and then doing one in person, either somewhere else or here at my house and, uh, just being careful about it. And anytime there's been a, uh, potential scare, We've rescheduled them. So I've had another one at, at work again this time. And uh, so we decided to move this one to Skype. And I'm still dealing with just a little bit of a headache. And it, it sucks. Because other than that, I feel fine. Uh, except for a couple of little things. But I think it's all in my head. The headache, though, worries me. Because I, I, I do. And I used to get headaches real bad. I used to get migraines all the time. Now I rarely get them. But every now and then I do. And usually if I get a headache, it's because I drank too much the night before or something. And I didn't really drink that much last night. So I, I'm not attributing it to that. And it's just kind of got me a little bit worried because that, that is one of those symptoms, one of those early symptoms. But I can still smell. I can still taste. Um, I feel fine. Again, like I said, every now and then I feel like I'm maybe a little bit hot or maybe a little bit chilly. And I'm like, man, that's just in your head. That's because of the way it, the temperature it is in the, the house right now. Man, it really could. Everything down to the headache could be just the stress of knowing you were exposed. You, you know, oh, yeah. that's that's when I thought I'd been exposed. I had a headache too. I think it was just worrying about it and stressing. You know, because especially because I was frustrated. It was, it's like your case. It wasn't no fault of my own. You know, yeah. somebody else being reckless endangered me. You know, so I was freaking out. You know, like I worked this hard to keep myself safe this long, <laughs> and somebody else that I don't even know has caused. A problem, you know, by not being honest and not being careful. Yeah. Yeah, it stressed me out. I, I found myself with a headache and stuff, too, and I got lucky I didn't have it, you know. But. Yeah. And I guess it's because, you know, the the other two times that this has happened, both both at work, um, I hardly worked around the people. You know, maybe an hour. Uh, maybe I did share a shift, but, uh, you know, we do two different jobs, so I was hardly around them. Uh, but this time it was like not only was – did I work with the dude on Monday night? But like I said, 
His girlfriend and his girlfriend's cousin both live in the same house. And at least one or both of them has worked every day this week. And I got thinking about it this morning, too. He worked again on Wednesday after he had tested but hadn't got his results back. So I'm like, I guess it's just the, the fact that I was potentially exposed every day this week. Now, they haven't. The, the girlfriend actually tested the same day he did and tested negative. But my manager told her last night, don't come to work. Go get another test. Because, I mean, they live together. And they say if you take a test too early, it might not have built up in your system enough yep. to show. And then, and also, the, uh, supposedly them rapid tests sacrifice some accuracy yeah, as yeah. well. Like if it's one of the rapid tests, it's going to, you know, it could be, you could get a false negative. Well, I know both times I've gotten mine, and I've got one scheduled for tomorrow. I went to CVS. You go through the drive-thru. You do it all yourself. They tell you how to do it, uh, which I, I like that. I mean, it's still, it's uncomfortable, but you don't have to stick it like way back in there. Um, but, uh, it's taken like two to three days or three, about three days to get my results. And he got his on Monday, but didn't get his results till yesterday. But I've heard like people that go to the health department, it usually takes longer, but yeah, I don't know. There, there, there are some of those rapid, uh, rapid test sites around where you can get the results that day. I kind of wanted to try to find one of those for this time, but. I decided I'd rather just go ahead and do the what I've done before. Yeah, I think I think you should. I think you get one of the slower ones. If, man, that means more time. You got to stay by yourself and not know. But it sucked to get a an inaccurate result and then go about your business and then it get back. You know, cause a lot of problems. And it's and it's like messed everything up because like we we hadn't had to have band practice in a couple of weeks. Uh, we won't get to have it this week. Maybe. I mean, if I get my result by Wednesday and we're off Thursday, I might get to do band practice. But, you know, fingers crossed. <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I, the past two weekends, I'm like even today, I was supposed to be helping my parents bring Christmas decorations down out of the attic. Uh, that's been put on hold again. So, you know, it's just not worth the risk. I mean, my mom really wants to decorate for Christmas, but it's not worth the risk for me to potentially expose them just to get those decorations down out of the attic. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people are coming to terms with the fact that they're not going to be doing much for a little while. Like, I mean, I've been trying to go to Statesville and, and work with Brian on new songs and stuff like that, but, you know, out of a bunch of weeks, only it was only safe to go once. Mm -hmm. And every other time, it seemed like there's there's been some scare or something, you know, somebody near one of us or, you know, with one of us or something. And I think we've kind of just almost been like, well, we'll just wait a little while till this stuff dies down. It's bad right now. Let's just not worry about getting together. Even if neither of us have a potential contact or, you know, scare or anything, like, and that's fine with me. I can be patient. I'd rather be patient and be safe than be in a rush to do stuff and then get infected or something. Yeah. Or give it to somebody. You know, that's my worst fear, giving it to somebody. That's worse than me getting sick. I, I don't want to give it to anybody, you know? Yeah, me too. That's I, That's been my whole thing this whole time is, you know, I, I don't want to get sick myself. And, and I hope, I've always had pretty strong immune system. And I know we don't have an immunity to this. But, you know, certain people can fight it off better than others. I mean, it's just the way it is. Um, so I'm hoping that even if I do get it, whether it's now or whether it's later, that my body takes care of it. But I'd, if I gave it to my parents, like, I mean, my dad said earlier, you know, you know, now we, we've been potentially exposed again. I was like, yeah, but there's only been a couple of days this week that I wasn't around them, that I, that I was even around them. Because we had already been taking precautions because of last week. You know, once I got my result for that, which was just the other day, 
Um, I still, I still haven't been around them much because I've been real conscious of it this whole time. Like, I haven't hugged my parents in I don't know how long. You know, it's just you, we we don't get that close to each other because I know every day at work I'm potentially exposed. Yeah, but you know they still got they've they've still got to worry about it a little bit more now because, of course, I'm worried about it more now because of the situation. This time is different than the past couple of times. Um, Dude, but, I, have, I have to be honest. I hate we're even having to talk about it. You know what I mean? Like I, it's I, hard to ignore right now. Yeah. It's really like at the worst stage of it. I do too. And uh, but at the same time, you know, for posterity's sake, I like having it on the podcast. And it's it's one of those things that what have you been doing lately? There's you can't talk about yeah. the shows you've been going to or anything like that. You've not been doing anything. What we're we gonna talk about? We're gonna talk about COVID. That's all everybody's been doing. It's either that or what? You want to talk about the election? <laughs> Yeah, you're right, man. I mean, that's what I was saying. It's like it's it's so unpleasant, but it's so unavoidable. Yeah. Fuck 2020, man. <laughs> <laughs> man, I've, I've been saying it's my fault because right, right around New Year's, I was like, 2019 sucked. And I was thinking what sucked about it for me, you know. It, yeah. it was a sucky year. I didn't get to do a lot with my band because of Jordan's health declining and some st- other stuff, you know. And I was pissed about it, you know, and all that. And a lot of other things were tough. And I was like, oh, 2020 is going to be better. And no, they couldn't get no, you know, like 2019 sucked. Well, I'm looking forward to 2020. And I was all optimistic. And then look what happened. Just Yeah, <laughs> I, I think everybody's kind of in that boat. Though. I think everybody thought, oh, 2020 <laughs> is going to be great. I thought 2020 was going to be a great year. I started this and I was like, oh, this is going to be great. And especially like I've talked about this before the zine. I was like super excited about that part of it. And then this happened, and now I just cannot get the, get this next one finished. But it's that's that's happening soon. And I think I'm going to do it a little differently this time. But um, I, I won't really talk much about that right now. Let's do talk about though, because I said what we got to talk about is uh, COVID and, and the election. But you've been putting out putting out some new music lately, and uh, it's yeah. not War Boy stuff. It's it's prehistoric John stuff. say i was like i was actually about to make the transitions topic too by saying you know I'm, I'm making some music right now and i hope that when i look back on this time the trouble involved with the pandemic that memory kind of fades a bit and what sticks out to me is these songs i've been working on and things. Yeah, you know what i mean yeah. like i'm trying to make the best of a bad situation you know and it does give me the opportunity to do something that i've wanted to do for a long time which is just do some music on my own, you know, just while I run the whole show and just exercise. It's like, 
it's not so much about like the same thing a band is where you got you know some kind of goals or something this was just like an exercise in making music and keeping my skills sharper even sharpen them even more yeah you know throughout throughout this period of not being able to interact with other people mm-hmm. the way i'd like to so like it's i guess it's the perfect time just turn inward for a while and you know, spend some time developing my skills more, or, you know, just, or just also getting ideas out, getting the satisfaction, accomplishing things that's been on the shelf forever and doesn't fit into any project you ever had before. Yeah. So I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm really lamenting the fact that my band isn't going, and that situation sucks. You know, right now it's not over with. Of course, it's gonna be back when the time's right. Oh whenever yeah. The larger picture, everything clears up, and some other things. You know, we'll be to be back doing it again, but. You know, in the meantime, it gives me something to do, so I don't go crazy. Because I've got to be, I've got to have some kind of goals, like some musical goals or something. That's just what I do, you know. Or I'm, I'm not going to be happy. I've, I've like spent a, a few periods in my life where I quit for a couple years mm-hmm. messing with music too much. I never quit altogether, but just didn't have a personal project of my own, you know. But yeah, I, I pretty much always end up having to come back, you know, I'd get more involved after a while. And well, it's like me. I, I think you know. Hopefully, when this is all said and done, I won't think so much about the pandemic itself either. It'll be more of, you know, that was when I got Gabba Gabba Hug going really good. Because, you know, I said that this kind of happened at a terrible time because I thought 2020 was going to be a great year for me. This actually has worked in, in, in the advantage of the podcast, I think, in certain ways. It's limited the way I can promote it because I can't promote it in person. But, man, it's, it's, it's come at the right time for a lot of people to be able to take a time take time to listen to this. So I, I do appreciate that that part of it, but I, I'm ready for it to be over with. Man, I think it's a your podcast is kind of a unifying factor in the way that shows were when we were still able to do them. You know, yeah. now at least have you know a good podcast to listen to that reminds you the scene ain't gone nowhere. Just because we ain't got no shows or anything right now doesn't mean that everything's over with or gone for good or anything like that. It's, you know, everything's yeah. still in yours, just waiting out a rough spot. And these are important stories and it's a good time to tell them, I think. So I, I think it was perfect timing for me in certain respects, but, um, so let's get back to you though. Um, prehistoric John, you, you've, you've released stuff under that name before. This is not like something brand new or you've, no, record, or you've recorded stuff under that name. I don't know. That you'd, I'd say released. It's on, Reverb Nation, I believe. There's some songs. I think just Bandcamp, maybe. And then, um, I don't know. You might know better than me at this time. I don't exactly remember what I did. <laughs> it, it seems like the like first ones I found. It seems like the first ones I found may have been Reverb Nation, but I might be wrong about that. It, it, it doesn't, doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'd say the first thing I did, or the first moves I made as like a little solo act or whatever was maybe 12, 13 years ago or something, you know. I started yeah. having, or even longer maybe, maybe as long as uh, 14 years ago or so, I started having ideas because in SFTM, that was kind of like my band and Jordan's band and even the, the other guy, Chris, that was in the band. I mean, it was like yeah. our thing together, you know, we did. And but I wrote a lot of the songs, and Jordan helped, Chris helped. And uh, that was kind of my thing. But then after that, you know, I got into a period of time where I was in other people's bands a lot. You know what I mean? Which is fine. And I enjoyed that a lot. But I still felt like I had a, I didn't need to stop with the songwriting and, and things like that. Yeah. That I was doing in my previous band. And that's just kind of how this little avenue got hatched. Because when you're, when you're in a band that somebody else established before you come along, like Self Made Monsters was, or Anticene was, you know, you when you write a song or submit something to those bands, it's got to be in the vein of what they do. Oh, yeah. You know, and it's got to fit. And 
if you come if you come from outside of that earlier, it's like you still have ideas and stuff from that other yeah all those other musical experiences you know influenced by those other experiences so you know you end up with a back catalog of stuff so i started getting an idea first about doing something on my own when i was in self-made monsters around the time I went on that tour with Wednesday 13 opening for Alice Cooper. Mm-hmm. Eddie and Wednesday were listening to Sammy Sirius from the band The Zeros. Not the punk band The Zeros, but the kind of glam rocky band from LA, The Zeros. They're up. These dudes, these really like like up to the knee Chuck Taylor shoes and, yeah. and big purple hair. <laughs> yeah. Their singer Sammy Sirius had a, like a self-produced solo CD. Like it, it seemed really like something didn't seem like something from some guy had been on a big label and had a big band like that. You know, it was like homemade-looking album, you know. I think it was on a CDR maybe even, too. It's called Sammy Serious, Nuns in Prison. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure we listened to that in the van on that tour and that me and Eddie st- kept listening to it afterwards. Eddie ended up with that CD. It was something we would listen to sometimes getting ready to practice self-made monsters. But that was that CD like started giving me the idea because it was really simple songs. I feel like that CD was within the scope of my musical skills at the time. You know, even though that guy's probably a lot more talented, he just really kept it simple. Yeah, all the songs were, were short, they were catchy, they were kind of punky, you know, but had the good pop hooks and stuff. So I got this idea I wanted to do some some songs, you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's where the idea was hatched, and I started writing some songs in. Doing it just by myself with nobody else. I don't think a lot of them were that good. So they, a lot of them didn't happen. <laughs> then I had a hard time getting it to happen. And by this time, this is a period of time where Jordan wasn't playing in a band regularly or mm-hmm. anything. But I talked to him and he agreed to do the drums for it. But his time was really limited and mine was too. Yeah. So a couple of times we got together and just blasted some stuff out, you know. And even if we tried multiple songs, maybe something to finish one or two songs would be there. You know? Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of how it started. I think the early the earliest songs was that one. I'm not the one that I told you I hated when yeah. you played it. Then <laughs> I like, I think I deleted it offline. Yeah, it's, it, it just, I don't know. I've still it, got it. It seemed good at the time. It's it's fine. It seemed good at the time, and I liked it at the time. But I don't think it holds up. It's just not. I don't like it. Do I? You know. So I, I, won't, I won't play I that one here. <laughs> I, I kind of Soviet Russia that one out of existence a little bit. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, and I respect that. <laughs> if, if I'd have known that beforehand, I wouldn't have played it. <laughs> but I wasn't going to stop it in the middle of it and go, well, John said this one sucks. So. <laughs> oh, man, it's fine. You can play it again if you really want to. It, it doesn't really bother me. I just didn't want it on my – I don't want people listening to my band camp. I don't want them to hear like one of the worst <laughs> songs of the whole project. You know, maybe should just reside in demo land, you know. But Yeah. Yeah, there was that song, and then I think I released that online somehow, and then – 
uh, QCV was on the first um, Mystery School compilation. Yeah. So that's I think that's the two that made it out there. And then some of the other songs, even if me and Jordan had recordings and they end up being part of other bands, we had me and him did Somebody Wants to Kill Me, and I have that version up that me and Jordan did on the prehistoric John band camp. But then we did that one in War Boys. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I like the way we played it in War Boys, but I, I think I, I, I messed the recording up. Yeah. I don't want to go into details of how I did, but I wasn't on top of my game on that recording. So I, I, I don't know, I tend to not like that recording so much, but I, I like the song and I kind of want to play it again and yeah. get back to doing it again, maybe. And a few people told me they really liked that song. I was like, wow, well, I was kind of down on that one. So, you know, when all this COVID stuff hit and all that, I kind of let that song stay on the prehistoric John page. I'm like, people like that song. They'd be interested in an alternate version, too. You yeah. Know? yeah. So, so, okay. So now they're both out there to be heard. All right. So, a, a couple other songs end up part of other things. There's a song we did in Anacene called Air of Opportunity. Yeah. We, me and Jordan did that first. And that's never seen the light of day. And uh, I think we jammed on that the first time I did a War Boys practice. And, uh, the first time I ever got together with those guys where we had a band name or anything like okay. that. There was a few songs. That song, Not In Today, was not really considered a part of that. That was done way before. That was done probably like right after Jordan joined Dead Kings. Yeah. Probably 2004 or five or something, you know. I just resurrected that one because I thought it was time for it to be heard. and A few people knew about that one. I never let it. I don't think I ever let that one go out on the internet or anything or put it out in any way, but. Some people knew it and told me for years it was good and put it out there, you know, so I finally did. And uh, I got a good response to it. I was like, I was happy about that. And it's funny hearing myself, you know, you're releasing a song you did like 15, 16 years ago or something like that. It's a pretty strange thing, pretty strange experience, especially everybody liking it like that. Yeah. I mean, that, that's about the extent of it. I just had these ideas I would do this solo project, and I worked on it over the years, but I was never ever really to, able to bring a lot of it to fruition, you know. But some of those songs ended up being in other bands. Like, um, Who Do You Think You're Fooling was a Will Boys song. Mm-hmm. 
that was originally one of those songs. So some of the ones that were also good. Um, Kill for You as a War Boy song was one of those. A lot of the ones that were actually pretty good, they ended up they ended up being better in other projects. Yeah, you know, you know, since the COVID thing hit, like now it's like necessity. I need to do something. Mm-hmm. Getting together with people is not much of an option. For, you know, from for a while now, and it's going to be a while, so I had yeah. to do something. I just decided to start doing some of these songs on my own because otherwise, I knew I'd I'd get rusty and stuff. But when when we first started War Boys, I couldn't believe they all all want to play with me. I gotten so rusty. I was so bad at guitar; it was <laughs> awful. It took a while, and singing I was terrible. You know, it took a while to get at all comfortable with it. You yeah. Know? Not that any of it's ever really that easy for me, but you know, I, got, <laughs> I really had to sharpen up, and and that's what I'm trying to do now is just be even more sharp than ever, really, through writing. Because now I just ha- I do have the luxury of changing something a million times if it ain't right, and working on it, mm-hmm. and going over and over. And that's what I really did on the single that I'm about to release, Demiurge. Yeah, I'm telling all kinds of things out of order. I'm totally still unorganized. <laughs> I just really that's mainly my main goal of this thing: try to stay sharp. And, yeah, and also not. Not having anybody forget about me while we can't do shows and stuff. <laughs> Stay on the radar in some way, you know. Yeah. Even though you took yourself off the radar for just a little bit, but you're back on it. So, <laughs> well, I wasn't totally off. I was just off Facebook. I, yeah. I, really, I hate Facebook. I just hate it. Brings out the worst in people, including me sometimes on there. You get really pissed off and go on a little rant thinking you're going to get some sympathy, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, w- I went through a little phase of that. And then I, I backed away from it because while I feel like being quiet is not the right thing to do. Like I, I started to feel like it didn't matter what I said. It's like preaching to the choir because the people that want to hear it already understand it. And the people who think differently, no matter what I say, it's not going to change their minds. Yeah. yeah but it's, it's I, I like felt some- like it was important there for a little bit for me to kind of put it out there and let people know where I stand just in case people had questions. I kept it separately from the Gabba Gabba hub, but of course people can make the connection and, they can, you know, if they decide they want to stop listening because of it, that's fine. But, but I also felt like it helped me weed some people out, and that that was a good thing. Like I, I just had people on my friends list that didn't need to be there, and if I never hear from them, but all of a sudden they want to argue some stupid bullshit on one of my posts, then I know I don't need them as a friend anymore. So, yeah, man, I, you know, for years leading up to current events the pandemic and this presidency and stuff i was just like i'm just gonna stay quiet like nobody cares and people don't want to hear and you know anybody's opinion about any of this stuff and everybody's got one it don't matter you know you're just wasting energy and time addressing it all but because of some things that went down and and people's attitudes and all that stuff i really did want to clearly be identified as somebody that's you know, trying not to contribute to any problems that are going on instead of being a part of one. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. I just really want to make it clear what I stood too. I think so. I started ranting and raving sometimes on there, but then I get too passionate, take it too far. Yeah. You know? And then some, you know, and, you know, some jackass is always going to come along, and then like talking to them is like talking to like the most stubborn thing in the world, like a robot programmed to never understand what the hell you're saying. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like talking to a child, really. I just got pissed. I was like, man, I'm going to quit. You know, I'm just going to quit being on this stupid shit. I mean, I stayed on Instagram, you know, and everybody's like, well, Instagram's on my Facebook. I'm like, yeah, but I can be on there and maintain some sanity. Like, (laughs) I get on there and and I see, like, all kinds of artwork and music and stuff, you know, and sometimes there's some political comments and stuff on there, but it's not like, it's just like, if you want to see them political fights, you kind of have to look for them on there. Like, on Facebook, you can't escape stupid shit. Yeah. 
it's always somebody's bullshit ass opinion, you know. And like, even like if you have to see too much of stuff you agree with, you're just like, all right, already, I know, like, I, I get it. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just Facebook, so also like I don't know. Right now, like I'm just uh, I put it back on there because I notice like people are more way more apt to listen to my music. It's just the age group of people I'm friends with the age group i am in the age group of people that like music like i like and like i make you know it's like they're on facebook that's the way you're going that's the way you're going to get your message out to them you got to be yeah. on facebook unfortunately right now i got back on it but i'm making a point like if it ain't if it ain't about your music don't post it yeah it, you know if, if you're not supporting somebody else's music don't even don't like or comment or nothing i'm trying to follow that rule you know it's it's not impossible you know but hey whatever works to make it more pleasurable for you or, or a better experience for you that's that's what you should do and I, I've, I've done the same i, I don't I, there's been a couple of times here recently where i've wanted to post something more political and i've just been like nah i'm not doing that anymore <laughs> just i'm done <laughs> man i like instagram better because i feel like every post is like a little bit of a piece of art or something you know you got to have a good picture or something you know no matter what it is like an object you want people to see or yourself whatever you know you just you actually take the time and think about it it's not like you just slap everything up like you on facebook slap every thought up on facebook yeah you know on instagram i just i mean i, I know that other people use it in different ways on there i just feel more paced out i ain't putting nothing on there unless i got something worth sharing and it ain't, it's only it's gonna be some kind of art thing or music thing you know yeah most of what i do i don't do instagram a whole lot but most of what i do is either promoting this stuff well whenever we could go see shows i was always posting whatever bands i was seeing but it's either that or i did post a couple of political things on there one point at one point but it's for a reason because what i was gonna say is sometimes i do some coded things on there for certain people not anybody you know or anything but <laughs> so every now and then i put some stuff up that some people might be like why is he posting that well it's aimed specifically at at, at somebody so i use it for for coding yeah. things as well yeah i'm all about you know being open about what you think is right. It's just that so many people are doing that and they're what they think is right is so fucking wrong. <laughs> you know, it's just like, I mean, Instagram too. I met, met a lot of cool people on Instagram from yeah. all over the world. I, I just like that about it. You know, Facebook's going to make you in touch with people, you know, already kind of in your community or in your group of friends, you know, no matter how much that group of friends sprawls out, mine sprawls out really huge, you know, and I think yeah. a lot of people's do. But uh, I don't know. Instagram just seems like opportunities to make new connections all the time, you know. And I've, I have. I mean, that's led to really good artwork on some of my records. You know, the people, yeah. I'm, some of the people I've met on there that hooked me up and did amazing artwork for the most reasonable prices and stuff, you know. And then just other friends to talk to and send stuff to. And I know we talked about that. I think on uh, when you released uh, "Fire in the Void," uh, Warboy song. We talked about that. I think that's who you got your artwork from somebody that you found on Instagram. But you still you still do that with prehistoric John too, right? No, well, I hadn't done I hadn't done that with any of that artwork. The artwork from in here that was from a site where people upload their photos and they say you can use them, like do whatever you want with okay, them. Okay, yeah. And if you and if you do, how about you give me a tip? You know what I mean? So yeah. I found that I found that artwork of that mountain you know and then it already had that cool halo on it yeah the artist, like whoever took the picture put that on there and i saw it and i was like man that's that's perfect for what i'm doing mm -hmm. and so i i downloaded it and, and sent them some money yeah and i, I didn't i didn't rip them off because they said i could do it for free you know 
and but I didn't have to. I didn't have to spend a fortune either. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? I, I gave him like a fair share of money on it. You know, just because I was so appreciative to find something like it. And it's already like they're like here, please. I'd, I'd love for somebody to do something with it. You know, so yeah. I forget that artist's name, but also credit him. You know, yeah. on, the, on the credits and with the new song I'm about to release, Demiurge, that artwork. I saw that in a picture from a book that was being sold by an art gallery that I follow out in uh, Los Angeles. Yeah. And it was like some really old art that's now public domain, so I knew oh, I could yeah. use it. Yeah. Just like when I seen the image, I was just like, God, that's perfect for my song. It's like that's exactly like it just fits. It's just like it couldn't get any better. So, yeah, I mean, I get I get ideas on there because so many artists are on there. I get I get ideas for things, like visual ideas for album art and things. And I think I learned, too, watching that stuff. I actually learned a little more about art. I'm, mm-hmm. I've had some art education, not like – not so much in the creation of art. I mean, I had art in, in school growing up, in high school and all that. But like in, in college, it was like art appreciation courses and yeah. things like that I took. And so, I mean, I'm I'm not the greatest visual artist, but I've got I've got I know like I, I just kind of have a sense for some of it when things are right or when they're wrong. Even though I, I'm not so good at making things, but it's worked with the making album covers. I yeah. feel pretty comfortable doing that if I've got material to work with. I feel like I can make a a nice album cover now, which I used to, I used to couldn't do. I used to always have to rely on Jordan. Yeah. You know, he can't always help me now. Sometimes he has vision trouble. Mm-hmm. It, you know, you can't really do that stuff. You know, and it, it comes and goes. So sometimes he's like, yeah, I'm good. Let's do something. You know, sometimes he, he can't do it. You know, that's a, like the good thing with, with our band is like, so I, I've always loved art. That was my favorite subject in school. I, I've never been like, if I take my time, I can do something really well, like hand-drawn painting stuff and things like that. But I always just wanted to make stuff that was more fun. So I don't always take my time. And so my stuff turns out to be a little bit more cartoony. But Eric is excellent with drawing stuff. And he can do cartoony stuff. He can do realistic-looking stuff. He can do whatever he wants to, really. Uh, but then I've got the manipulating images and doing stuff with Photoshop. That's where I really come in. Because I've got more of a, I guess, a, a visual style that I can translate better in, in that medium rather than trying to draw stuff. So with our band, that's, that's the easy part is, is coming up with images. That's why we if there's been times when like we would change our profile image, like two or three times a week to something different that we created. And it's been a while now. So that's why the other night I was just like, man, we hadn't done anything for the band in a while. I've been focused on the podcast. So I made that one logo I threw up on the, on the, for our cover photo on Facebook. Man, I like those ones that look like the '90s rap album covers. Oh, yeah, like Johnny Five and a bunch of money. And- yeah, <laughs> that one that I've got is my cover photo right now with the Dobermans on it. That was the first one I did. I was so proud of that thing, and then I was like, "Oh man, I can take this to the next level." I've got some really stupid ones, <laughs> ones with like a bucket of, of Kentucky Fried Chicken and clowns and <laughs> bouncing <laughs> houses and shit. And uh, but it, it was that was fun. I, I'd like to do another one. I'd, I'd really like to do one where I get pictures of us and put us in like the No Limit album, you know, No Limit Records album cover with like stacks of money around us and maybe one of us sitting on a throne. And I, I even thought about like with Ben having a alligator on a chain, like it was his dog or something. <laughs> <laughs> I got ideas, but <laughs> I did yeah, that. I, I'll, I'll do that with my artwork too. Is I'll get an idea and I'll do several things in that style, and then I'll get bored with it and move on to something else. <laughs> yeah, I feel pretty scatterbrained now talking about the prehistoric John thing because it do, it does it is like a 
the activity was always just as sporadic as it could be over a long period of time and it's weird because just like it just seems like i've been doing it no time now it's, it really has only been a matter of weeks yeah uh men here was the comeback like you know right here i am doing a single like i recorded this is the first new recorded thing in a long time yeah Night and the day I released, like, I can't remember even which one I released first now. Those was within a week or two of each other. Yeah. You know, that was kind of the coming. And that's only been, like, August. It's yeah, been that long now. Yeah. Even though it seems like you've been working on this new one for a while, it really hasn't been that long. I worked on it longer than many years. Yeah. Man, the Demiurge, I wrote it, but it, it in getting it the way it is now... Like it just steered it. It steered me more than I steered it. Like I just I had a lot of failures along the way. Like the way I pictured things in my head is not the way that they played out in real life. So I had to listen and adjust and say, well, that doesn't work. What am I going to do now? And so on and so forth. So like what I what I've ended up with now is like it wasn't planned to be like that from the start. Totally, you know, it's just a lot of happy accidents along the way and a lot of trial and error with that one. But still, it's only three months since the last song. That might seem like a lot for a song, but when you're doing it all by yourself, you know, between your work schedule and your family and everything, and you don't have a lot of time, you know, getting a song done in a matter of, you know, six weeks or so, or, or more, you know, this time it was more for sure, but being here was probably six weeks or less, you know, yeah. and then this one's taken a little bit longer, but also I've kind of been done for a week or two for the most part now, except for just some little mix adjustments, but it's ready to go now. It's going to be out just by the time people listen to this. So. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that's the other thing I was going to say when we were talking about how everything slowed everything down, but it's also gave new opportunities. Like, you know, you got the podcast thing nailed down during this time. Like, whenever, you know, things are more or less back to normal and everybody's on their own schedule, busy doing things, like, you know how to set up and do it and get it done. You know, yeah. it's like there's no trial and error anymore, you know, unless you want to try to, uh, you know, improve on, upon some aspect of it, you know, you got it nailed down, man. Yeah. It's been good. I mean, I, I've learned a lot about like, just even just using editing software. It's, that's been kind of fun. And so my next thing I want to do is try to tackle, like making actual music with it. Yeah, man. I'm used to talking to you on the phone and stuff to where when we do these, I, I almost forget it's like for a show, you know, and I find myself <laughs> not, not trying especially hard to be interested, you know, or feeling like I'm falling short from that, but. Man, I was, I was going to talk about this song, though, because uh, I just find it's interesting. I think people have questions about it. So far, you know, nobody's heard of it except some of my closest friends and, and yeah. my wife and whoever else I've just talked about it, you know, gets to scoop early because they can't help but get it because I ain't going to shut up about it. <laughs> <laughs> but so this, the song is called The Demiurge. Mm-hmm.
it's a term I had heard a couple times before. I, I used to really be into studying religion and, and especially things pertaining to Christianity because, as I've talked about before in, I think, on the podcast and, uh, you know, in some of my songs, you know, I came from a, a kind of religious background, yeah. you know, growing up, going to church every time the doors were open and stuff, you know. Like most people, I got older and, I, you know, I kind of moved away from that, but, but there was a time where I was still really interested, you know, because I started to realize that I learned a lot when I was a kid and that a lot of people would, like, come off to me with some holier-than-thou attitude. And then I would hear, even as they were on my ass, that they they had all these wild inaccuracies in the things they were telling me and stuff. Yeah. You know? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, that's not what it says at all. Or that's not what it's about at all. You know what I mean? Yeah. It wasn't just, like, a difference in denomination type thing. It was just, like, somebody that was kind of, like, not all that learned in it but very passionate about it, you know, mm. going off. Yeah. And so I was just like, it actually made me more interested. So that's what it led me to like read the, the entire Bible all the way through and read all these other uh, secondary documents and stuff, books, you yeah. know, about it and stuff like like scholarly writings and all that, you know, and you know, analysis and all that. So it wasn't only like I'm reading reading it literally for myself, but also like using supplemental things to understand what it means too and stuff and. Yeah. Not, and and like like I say, scholarly things, not things from like religious publishers. Like you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, not, not like not propaganda. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like strictly academic stuff and stuff based on a lot of archaeological books and all. And I learned a lot about that, and a lot about world history in general. And I've been interested in history already, you know. Yeah. But in the in the course of doing all that study i just got i got to where i didn't believe in any of it anymore you know i mean like i believe in some of the historical aspects you know what i mean like a lot of the stuff that's recorded in the bible reflects true historic events and so on and so forth but i just don't it's not for me in terms of the spiritual side or i just don't i just kind of reading through it just shattered my faith because there were too many buts and what's and this and this doesn't make sense and contradictions and all and then a lot of the other knowledge i have of history, you know, mm. a lot of crimes committed in the name of you know Christianity. So it just soured it to me, you know. But there's this like in in that whole realm of studying, I don't know what you, if you want to call it like theology in general or something like that. Or, but there's like this um, like conflict between the actions of of God in the Old Testament and then the teachings of Jesus in the New Testament. Like people know that. Like people notice. It's not. Mm-hmm. A, secret or a mystery but there's there's always these explanations to explain a lot of that stuff that people yeah. give and they're different there's there's a lot of different explanations and some of them are based on denominations and, and things like that but a lot of the questions that come up was like why does the bible advocate for genocide like why in the old testament are the israelites told to commit genocide against the canaanites and then they're punished and their country comes to an end mm-hmm. because and that's the reason they're given at the end. You guys did not follow through with the genocide and you let their influence come in on you and you didn't follow religion purely. So that yeah. brought about our destruction. Like it's just really strange. So you ask these questions and there's these ways to say, well, this is, you know, I mean, you know, it always starts with that whole, we don't, we're not supposed to understand everything, you know, and then they give an ex, the best explanation they can give. I became interested in this, uh, this one explanation that seems wild to a lot of, like, you know, just your normal American Protestant or something, but I, I think it's a really interesting explanation. But mm-hmm. according to some Gnostic sects, um, the, the Old Testament God is not God. It's not the real God. It's this other 
being the the demiurge. It's not it's not yeah. quite like what God is, but it's not quite like Satan either. It's under these circumstances where it thought it was the only thing that existed, and and it's the one that started creating all the material world. Mm-hmm. You know, the spiritual world already existed, but this thing brought the material world into being, and that's why it's that thing's fault. That why the material world's imperfect, and it was that thing that was having all that influence back then. But now we know yeah. better, and we have this path to the true God through Jesus. You know, I just thought that was like really interesting way to explain it. You know, and in some ways, like simpler, and you know, I guess if you're really like spiritual and religious, it might make it more sense to a lot of people than than some of the other explanations. You know, just the whole, you know, well, you're just supposed supposed to be okay with that because we're not supposed to know, you know, kind <laughs> of thing. It just led to this song, and the song was really kind of like. It's not really like a spiteful song and stuff, but like I mean, I'm I'm critical of religion and stuff. I'm critical of these depictions of your know, supposed creator and stuff because some of them just make them out to be awful. And people go like, "Oh, that's good." And it's like, "Oh yeah," but what about that time in the Bible where he you know let the devil torture his most dedicated follower and kill his family and all his you know ruin all his belongings and yeah. put him with horrible diseases and stuff like. I like to think that the you know whatever created me wouldn't use me as like a pawn in a bet like that. <laughs> you know? So yeah, I mean it's a critical song, you know. What it means, I don't mean to be like spiteful. Whatever, it's just like you know people think about that. You know, like if you have a religion and follow, it, you should know all about it and be a real student of it, so you can really like think about it in depth. You know, and yeah, I think you know in some religions it seems like things are it's a lot more acceptable to question things like that. And then in other ones, it's just like, no, you're not supposed to do that at all. Don't question it that, you know, you're messing up your... Yeah. <laughs> I'm somebody who would like to think more deeply about things and come to my own conclusions and all that. And that's just kind of what that song is. It's just like a release of some of that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, I made it sound like it's going to be more in-depth and kind of like scholarly and nerdy than it really is. But it's, <laughs> it's pretty easy to understand type song, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh yeah, I was just really interested in, in you know in all those things. Just eventually led up to that being one of the things I was interested in writing about. And then it also gave me, I don't know, I was wanting to I was wanting to break with my normal music styles too. And yeah, I think the got, topic was good for a song that was going to do that. Yeah, and it's got some like uh, sort of I, I get described as like sort of Spanish guitar in it, and it's uh, a little more moody and um, I don't know jangly sort of. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> I've always liked. Eastern sound of music. Yeah, you know? I've, I've always liked, and I've recently started listening a little more of it. Not a whole lot, but enough that it helped motivate the sounds for this song. There's a band called I'm, I may be pronouncing it wrong, but I think it's TNR One or something like that. And yeah. I don't know exactly where they're from. I want to say like maybe uh, Saudi Arabia or yeah, I know who or somewhere about. like that. But man, if you see the video, it's even more amazing because these guys are all like playing guitars like wildly like. In a way, we wouldn't play them. Yeah. Like, like you know, you know how the whole thing where a left-handed person, if they if they can't find a left-handed guitar, they just string the right hand yeah. one backwards and all. It's like that kind of things going on. Except I don't think anybody's left-handed. And yeah. Stuff. They're just like it's just like almost like they found these instruments and learned all to play it on their own. You know, without any outside influence or something. You know, and it's very it's, it's very like. I, I hate the term world music. I just think it's like condescending the music in a way. You know what I mean? But I mean, yeah. it has that vibe to it, you know. So I got interested in that a little bit. And then some of the like Spanish um, gypsy music and, and you know, um, those guitar styles. And it's like a lot of people associate it with Spanish music, but it also has this deeper like lineage. It goes back to probably India and stuff. And then mm-hmm. 
you know, Indian music is kind of has been pervasive in our music over here. You know, like the Beatles had, you know, the influence of a lot of other yeah. bands. Um, you know, you'll hear that sitar from time to time, or you know, or just things that um, just kind of you know similar riffs to what you might hear in Indian music. You know, and I just want to do something like that, and, I, and I, I've always fooled around with some sounds like that, but never made it on any of my recorded things but yeah i just figured it was time you know and the the chords i had for the song in the beginning already fit that kind of thing yeah so i just like ran with it but it, i had to actually study a little bit for it to not sound like just some silly unlearned guy messing around it probably still <laughs> sounds like that to a certain extent but i learned a few things on this one you know yeah and and had a good time doing doing something different and there's some electric guitar on there, but it's mostly acoustics, as you know. Mm-hmm. I don't normally do that. I don't, I, don't, I don't enjoy playing acoustic guitars very much. Yeah, I think mainly because it, you know I just I hadn't done it much. I'm not that good at it, you know. And I always see somebody that's really great at it and it makes me jealous because it sounds <laughs> so good. And I pick one up and it doesn't sound that good. But you know, I, mean, I you know I feel like I managed on this one. I you know, so I'm pretty proud of it, you know. And, I was like me when I pick up an acoustic guitar. I'm usually trying to play punk rock on it, so it's not going to sound that good. <laughs> yeah, uh, when I do, that actually sounds better than when I try to, you know, play more freely things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I played actual chords, it might sound a little better. But yeah, I mean, I had a little bit of help on this one too. Uh, yep. Cap from Billions, mm-hmm. he would write me now and again and say, you know, if you're doing any recording or anything, yeah, I'd like to come learn. I'd like to come learn this, and he's also. Wanting, you know, to make himself known as a session guy, so he's yeah. able to play on something, you know. And he played on the uh, Cheap Trick tribute stuff we did with Tankify. Yeah. The idea of having him along is usually one of you know me, Steve, or Barry would play bass on any given song. And for this, we're just like, let's have a full band this time, you know. And you know, his name come up right away, so yeah. drafted him in to do that. So, worked on him with this, already knew how good he was to work with. And he come in, and man, his contribution to it, like what he played on it, is you know, compared to all the other tracks I recorded, it's probably like 10% of it, or but it probably had the biggest impact and the vibe of it, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. It really, it really made a big difference. And, he, and him having him around the day he was here helped me make some decisions on some other things. Yeah, there's some extra percussion like um, like shakers and um, tambourines. Yeah, and I had no, I knew I wanted him in there, but I had no idea how it's supposed to go. And I just put him in front of the microphone and said, "Do whatever you think sounds right," you know. And just a couple passes, you know, the first passes on things like that when you're experimenting the whole time is like, you know, you don't get anything done really, but yeah. except. I could pick out. I picked out several things I heard him do, and those become the parts. Yeah, and it was just things he did on the fly. So it really he helped round that song out nicely. It was really good to work with him, and I recommend that if he if he extends his you know an offer out, whoever you are, if he extends an offer out to you, have him along at least one time. It's yeah. worth it. 
Yeah, he, he's good. He's a good guy. I'll be talking to him probably next weekend, too, So because he's got something coming out soon that he wants to try to promote. Yeah, I think he, he has more going on than we think, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, I think a lot of people have taken him up. They realize the talent he has and taken him up on it. He might be working on me with this next one, but my I got another song in the works already. Yeah. I'm not going to talk about it a lot. I keep it mysterious <laughs> for a lot. That one could steer me as well. could be a lot different by the time it sees the light of day. But yeah. I kind of talked to him a little bit about that one too, but I think my ideas are coming to me so quick. I might, uh, he, might, he might not be as big a part of this one. <laughs> if he just comes on and helps run the machine for me while I record, that would be fine. Yeah. It would be, that would be totally worth it. But, uh, yeah, I don't know much else to say about that song, but it's by the time you hear this podcast, it'll be out. The Demiurge, Prehistoric yep. John, the Demiurge. I'm going to have it exclusively on Bandcamp, and you can find it on my, my Facebook page. Prehistoricjohn.bandcamp.com, right? Yeah, well, yeah, I think it's prehistoricjohn.bandcamp.com. No special characters or anything in there. It's spelled straight out. Yeah. I don't remember what else I was going to say about that, but I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I'm, at the, I'm at the point in, in where I've, I've worked on it so long and hard, I'm kind of tired of hearing it. So I'm I'm really eager to see what kind of reactions it gets. You yeah. know what I mean? That's going to be the new, you know, in time, I'll be able to look back and say whether I thought I did great on that. It was a great song or not, you know, regardless of how I feel right now. But that initial reaction you get from people is always a rush. I, I thought it was really cool. And I listened to it. I listened to it like four or five times in a row just because, like I told you, I was switching my speakers, just listening to it on different speakers, make sure everything sounded good. And it, I dug it. It was good. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to hear, man. It's it's really hard when you do so much on your own. You, you get you get like you go through a lot of stuff. There's a friend of mine online that he uh, studied to be a like a recording engineer, and and he kind of quit doing it. He said it was just like felt like the whole process was a mind game all the time. Like, does this sound good? Does that sound bad? Does this, you know, and it really is. You have to really, you have to find out what the pitfalls are typically. And I think for everybody it's different. It is such a mind game. Sometimes you'll sit down and listen to your mix or whatever. It sounds awesome. And the next time you listen to it, it sounds bad. But the time it sounded bad, maybe you just heard it too much too often. Yeah. It doesn't sound bad. You're just sick of it. You know, like it's, you just have to find out where those, all those lines and boundaries are and like just, operate within that <laughs> landscape you know and it's hard for people to figure it's so hard to do things on your own like when you're like seeing a project through from start to finish you're the only one yeah you know unless you know unless you kind of like try to make note of things you gain through those experiences you you know you just you'll repeat the same really bad habits and things you know and it's just it's really hard it's hard on your own it's so much better working with a team really mm. You know, you gotta do what you gotta do. If you gotta work on your own, I, that, you know, work on your own, doing every bit of it's way better than not doing anything because you ain't got anybody to get up with right now. Or it's in this case, not safe to get up with people or whatever. You know, man, going back in time a little bit, men here that that was a song that um, I wrote during like War Boys years. Yeah, but I tried to show it to him at practice, and I didn't think it was right even when I showed it to him. But that, they didn't seem to pick up on it, so I never pushed it. So that one got shelved. So that one I was really that was a big release to do as well. Yeah, and that song's that that song's so funny to me because it sounds really serious, but it's kind of almost a silly song. I based it off of one of the earliest episodes of um, Unsolved Mysteries, the original run. Okay, yeah. There's an episode where there's there's this family and it's a close knit family, and they they they're kind to each other and they have a good family life, but they're not they're not doing well monetarily. Mm-hmm. They're always struggling and stuff, and then. 
the son finds a rock in the woods. They're supposed to be like in the Pacific Northwest somewhere. And it, you know, he finds a rock in the woods. It's kind of like half buried right next to the riverside, and it's got engravings on it. Yeah. You know, like hieroglyphs or something. And, you know, eventually the parents make it down there to see it. And then the, the family claimed that all of their luck totally turned around after they encountered this stone. Okay. <laughs> Their financial situation changed. They were able to move into a bigger house. They were generally had like you know what I mean. Those those struggles they had were alleviated. You know, and they just like for some you know I guess like they just wanted to put some of the credit with the rock or whatever because yeah. it just to them it was just a weird happenstance that they find such a strange thing, and then their their fortune totally changes. You know, yeah. I mean they didn't like become wildly rich or anything. It's like. You know, it was just that their their situation life vastly improved, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so I just thought that was interesting. It sounded like an uplifting thing, and everybody wants that. Everybody wants a little lucky charm or a magic fix to something, you know. Something to just come away and wipe, wipe out their problems, you know. So I was like, man, a song about that would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where that one came from. Also working on my own right now, I don't feel like anybody's breathing down my neck to get something done. So I can take my time with lyrics and things and... um. I like that too, and man, I want to stress though again. I'm I'm not trying to make it sound like doing the solo thing is better than working with a band. Working with a band is so much better, oh, it's yeah, so much yeah. more fun. And and you know when you all that responsibility gets split several ways, it's so much more relaxing too. Mm-hmm. I am I'm just really happy and fortunate that I've not had to quit doing music altogether just because it's dangerous for me to get up with people. That's yeah, can't stress that enough, man. It's like saving my mind right now. <laughs> really be having a rough time but now that to look forward to and despite it sometimes i still i'm just like man i have nothing to look forward to yeah like can't go anywhere friday night nothing's happening saturday you know like on everybody's ass right now it's everywhere it seems well i understand that like last night our friend james is going to be playing at a coffee shop in king's mountain and ben was going to play drums with him i kind of wanted to go see that of course, after I found out last night, I'm definitely not going. But I'd already pretty much decided I wasn't going. I'm just like, it's just not worth it, you know? I mean, I'm not going to say anything about anybody playing a show right now. If you feel like it's socially distanced and everything, whatever. Um, but it, just for me, I, I've I've just decided it's just not worth it. So I'm as much as I'd like to go do those kind of things, I'm, I'm not doing them. Man, uh, I haven't been to Charlotte since February. Yeah. And, I mean, I have family there. That's, that's my wife's family's there, you know? I yeah. mean. That's my second home in a lot of ways. I mean, I, I, I'm living back where I'm from, more or less, you know, but uh, spent five years there, and now I live in Concord for a couple of years, which is almost like living in Charlotte, you know, just right next door, basically, and, you know, my wife's family's there, and I ain't been in since February. Like, I'm really, really damn homesick for it, yeah. you know, and homesick for them places I used to play. Like, I would love just to be sitting inside you know, any of them places I used to play right now, even though I wasn't playing, just sitting in there drinking a beer, you know, it would be like a big relief, you know, I don't know. I think when the time comes, it's totally safe to do that, or at least, you know, safe enough that, like, it's very reasonable for most of us to get out there and do it again, like, it's going to, it's going to feel like a, I don't know, big release, it's going to feel great. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's coming. You know, that's what I've been trying to stress, too, man. It's like, pandemic, if you look at this kind of thing historically, it, it's like a two-year setback. Yeah. And that's like, you know, we're saying the last big one that affected, 
United States was 1918 or whatever. You know what I mean? It's been 100 years. So a lot's yeah. happened 100 years. This, by the time it's all said and done, as painful as it has been, we'll, we'll probably be over with or, you know, things will get back to being somewhat normal or a lot quicker than that one. Yeah. You know, even if it's six months quicker or something. But it just seems like if you look back at history, these things take about two years to work themselves out, you know. Or, or for, you know. And I know this one's unique. It's not the same as, you know, no two outbreaks like this are the same, but we'll get we'll get back to it. And then yeah. the, the vaccine stuff is seeming promising, you know, and I know there's a bunch of yahoos out there that are against the vaccines for whatever reason, but it's going to be fine. Enough, enough of us are going to take it and stuff. It will be good. We'll get, we'll get back normal eventually. Yeah. And, and we'll find that, you know, people find out it was a big disruption. It sucked, but two, you know, like two years or so, that's not the worst. Like it could have been a lot. It could have been a war that lasts a lifetime. Yeah. You know, there's some people, human beings that have born and died, lived a whole lifetime under war conditions. Yeah. Still, you that's know what true. I mean? Like, that's true. it's like, it's so goddamn angry at these people won't just put a cloth mask over their face yeah. it really helps it really helps a lot i know it ain't perfect nobody's claiming it's perfect but it cuts down on transmission a shitload the more people do it like the more yeah. they just do it it's not that hard to think man I've, I've had to talk to people who are like i can't wear that mask i can't breathe i'm like look man i was in the philippines in like 110 degree weather with long sleeves and long pants and boots and a you know hundred pounds of gear and a rifle and stuff and a radio and a and a goddamn gas mask on like don't talk to me about what's uncomfortable you can't breathe yeah or something like <laughs> this is nothing man I mean <sighs> I mean they're not they're not fun to wear but it's not I mean once you wear them for a little while like there's some days I just kind of forget I kind of forget I even have it on I'll be in the car halfway home like oh yeah I can take my mask off yeah I mean I don't like it either that's just a fucking childish attitude to have about it honestly i can't it's breathe weak as hell <laughs> it's weak as hell i mean i know there's some people got issues you know there, there's i'm not talking about them i'm just talking about the people who are just like just resistant yeah. for their own little selfish reason or yeah. they're just such a little and half of those will say weak, that they have issues person. too half of those people will say they have issues too and that's just fucking bullshit that's yeah, like somebody carrying that's like somebody carrying a service dog that doesn't need a service dog you know Man, listen, this leads me into another story, man. This is awesome. This has got to be told on this uh, podcast. Um, Neither of us had any clue until recently. But back in 2002, October 2002, Levi from No Anger Control and me were in the Philippines together at the same time. Oh, yeah, yeah. In the Marines, in the same damn unit. We just didn't know each other by then. We never knew until... And I forget how that happened. I think he posted a picture from when we were there. Yeah, I and saw, I was I saw just that. Like, Hold on, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. nuts. Totally insane. <laughs> It's like it's, it shows what a small world it is. I mean, I run into that kind of stuff a lot where it's like, oh man, small world. But that really is right there. That's pretty crazy because he didn't even live, you know, 
you guys lived in different parts of the country at the time, ended up in the same place, and now have, again, ended up in the same place. <laughs> yeah, it's just nuts, man. I mean, the world really is kind of small, especially nowadays. You guys were both in the Marines and now, and in the same unit, and now in the same music scene. <laughs> just yeah, world, worlds nuts, apart, but man. worlds together. That's crazy. When you're in, uh, I think this is a thing in the Navy too. In the Marines, you have this thing called a challenge coin. Mm-hmm. You know, if some fucker's bragging about what unit he's in and all that stuff, you can be like, "Well, let's let's see your coin, man." <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, if they come up with it, you're just like, "Oh, okay." If they don't, you're just like, "Well, oh, I know what you're saying." Is so you know whatever you know. I mean, it's just kind of an old little tradition, you know. Yeah. And yeah. There's rules like if you got yours and the other person don't. Under any circumstances, if you just challenge somebody with it, hey man, you got your unit coin on you? Ooh, we're supposed to owe you a beer or something, you know? What I mean? yeah. <laughs> but that's what's funny. That's what I. That's what me. I don't remember if I did it first or him. I think I did it first. It's like mine's on the shelf over here, but really accessible. I was like, hey man, you got this? Showed it on the internet. Yeah. Bam. He, he had his in a matter of seconds. You yeah. know, it was no time at all. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask, where where did you come up with Prehistoric John? And is there a reason that you use that instead of just using your name? Or does that have to do with teaching, maybe? When I first started doing this, like coming from like the punk rock background and stuff, like, yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't think like this now. I think you could have, I think you'd go by your, your given name and, and still be punk as hell or whatever, yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know, but uh, at the time I was like, no, nah, I mean, you don't do that if it's like a, you know, punk or some metal or something or whatever. You know, you got to have a stage name or something. And, yeah. You know, like I said, at the time I was in Self Made Monsters and on uh, their current album at the time, I was in the band Dragging Our Knuckles. They're, they're in the artwork, they're yep. cavemen, yeah. you know. And Eddie would always talk about it was caveman music and all that stuff, you know. So they come, they'd become like a part of my identity too. Yeah. So when it come time to call some name, I was just like, that'll work. Prehistoric, you know, and I. And I, I am, that's one of my other, I was talking about my fascination with history, but I also have like a prehistory fascination too. Yeah. Because like everything we know about is from like archaeology or paleontology and stuff. Mm-hmm. But then there's all this like, there's all these clues to like, you know, that maybe that civilization is much older than we have thought, you know, yeah. and that's always interesting, that possibility, you know, and there's a lot of good evidence to back that up. I just thought it was a good name for that reason. You know, I was, I was reading a bunch of stuff like that at the time. You know, things about you know prehistoric archaeology, like, you know, just the way people live before agriculture and things. You know, I just thought about that. You know, man, I've always also had this thought about it, like this is another one of them nerdy history science things, but it's an easy argument to make that where the human race went wrong is when we invented agriculture. Yeah. You know, because we went from living right off the land and living within Earth's carrying capacity, being so far below it, you know, just like endless supply of whatever we needed, unless you got into an area that didn't have it. You know what I mean? I mean, there were plenty of pitfalls, and, you know, it was a fight for survival, you know, just living life, you know. But, you know, a lot of hunter-gatherers, too, lived pretty comfortable, and there's a lot of evidence that they, they had a lot of free time, and it wasn't that hard to get by if they were in the right place and in their environment, you know, and. You know, and they'd say that a lot of our problems, like, uh, you know, a lot of our poor health and uh, wars, poverty, things like that, we didn't have them problems before agriculture. Yeah. You know, and, and then all this specialization of labor and stuff, all before all this advancement. So I've always carried this little bit of a, of a like, a hybrid fantasy or, like, bitter thing that, like, you know, I mean, I could have lived like that and lived <laughs> a more normal life and been, like, 
what humans evolved to be instead of this whole other like like instead I'm like part of this crazy future and all this technology and stuff you know <laughs> half going nuts because the the true animal side of me isn't satisfied by making my living a traditional way you know hunting and gathering or you know just I don't know just those kind of things just made you know made for that it was a part of my personality at the time I thought about that stuff a lot you know yeah. <laughs> Man, I try to talk and be humble and, and not sound snooty and aloof and stuff. But I really, I really just wish a lot more people were interested in what I'm interested in because I think it's, <laughs> it can be quite, quite enlightening, you know. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of things everybody needs to know. I think we'd be suffering this pandemic so much better if people were more learned about science and history. I think we would all be in a lot better shape. Yeah. People on the whole would be a lot more cautious, but also people on the whole probably a little less fearful and stuff. You know? Yeah. I said, I don't want to get off that acting like like I'm behind the pulpit or something. You know? <laughs> but, you know, I mean, just kind of thoughts you have, especially, man, this is a thought-provoking time, too. Yeah. So it's, like, hard hard to stay off them kind of. But, but yeah, man, that's where, the, that's where the name come from, the whole the whole rock and roll side and, and Eddie's influence and, the, and the, the self-made monsters influence and then the things I was interested in studying at the time just yeah. led to that name. Well, I know you, you talk about how that was like kind of a punk rock thing. When we first started our first punk rock band, uh, The Style and Johnny Appleseeds, me and my friend Matt were like, well, you got to have a punk name. You got to have, we can't just be Michael Phillips and, and Matt Wilburn. We, we got we to gotta have punk names. So he became Matt Butt and I was Michael Oatmeal. I don't know why we either one of us chose those things, but we did. I guess because the last part of the name sort of resembled the last part of our first names. Maybe, but. Whatever. And then uh, our drummer was Greg Legg, and the guitar player was Brad Flagg. So we all had a punk rock name. <laughs> just just totally made up, but it was like, it was better than Michael Phillips. <laughs> Listen, man, I'm serious. This, one of my biggest regrets in music is that I didn't go with a pseudonym from the start. She just made up something. Yeah. But I didn't have that foresight. Like, when I was young and first got into music, I was just like, oh, everybody knew who the fuck I am. You know, I'm all credit for what I do, and I'm going to be famous. And I want everybody to love me. <laughs> you know, nowadays I'm just like, man, I'd, I'd love to like live this double life where I'm a normal dude, but then when I do the music thing, I'm some other asshole that doesn't have to answer for any of the stupid shit he says or does. You know? <laughs> <laughs> or whatever, or any any music he's not proud of after the fact, you know, or something like whatever. But I, I mean, I don't, at the same time, I don't care, you know. I don't, I don't say or do anything that I'm not sure about, you know, and stuff. I mean, I, I make mistakes when I'm just off the cuff like people do. But, you know, as far as like art that I put out there, I'm, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm very thoughtful about that and thought out, you know. Yeah. We had the, the foresight to do it, I guess. We just didn't, didn't have the foresight to keep it going, or I didn't. <laughs> Yeah, but I wish I'd used one. Man, now, there's some projects I did where I was just like, man, maybe I'll use my pseudonym on this. <laughs> like know, Grape, like grape just, Goat. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and, you know, sometimes I went back and forth, like, how I felt about it, you know, and stuff. And, you know, sometimes I'm just like, well, you know, the pseudonyms are just cooler. There's just a lot of different reasons for that. But I, I just do kind of wish I'd have just come up with a fake name, you know. Not even like, it doesn't even have to be like a, you know, Johnny Dangerous or some shit, you know, just like, you know, just call it with a different name, just kind of yeah. different, change my last name or do something, you know. I'm talking all about how great Instagram is and how much of a good time I have on there and nice people I'm meeting and all that stuff, but when I share my music on Facebook, it gets a much bigger response than yeah. Instagram does, by far. I just like Instagram because someone's like, 
I mean, at least my experience on there, I, I don't, I don't, that's the thing about these sites. Not everybody's experience is the same, but my experience on that site, it's like an insider's group for artists and creative people, mm. you know, and I talk to them and I learn things about their, whatever medium they're working in and, and things, and it kind of informs my things that I do music and the album art covers and mm. stuff, you know, flyers, you know. That's what that's what got got me started on any of the visual art. I, I was doing none of that for the longest time, but when we were still doing shows, stuff pre COVID and stuff, Jordan's eyesight was getting bad and stuff. And sometimes he just didn't have time. Mm-hmm. And I started making the flyers. Then you know he had been making them all leading up to that. I learned I learned a lot of what I know about all that stuff off people from people off there. You know, yeah. I, I made interesting. I was gonna say this about Instagram too. I've met a lot of friends from from outside the United States, and some of them become fans of my band, but they don't order stuff. And I realize that the shipping's expensive, and that makes the yeah, cost yeah. higher. But some of these countries too, they have to pay they have to pay like fees and things to bring things from outside mm-hmm. the country. It's yeah. even more expensive. So when I found that out recently, like I, I sent some people some stuff for free mm-hmm. that I thought would probably have ordered things if. If it wasn't so damn expensive, so I just was like, "Hey, tell me your address. I want to send you some stuff." You know, I did that to a, a big handful of people, and I did. I sent a bunch of stuff overseas and stuff, and that's that's another way I've decided to promote the band. You know, I mean, I would like to make a lot of money and all this shit, and I'd like to like run my stuff like a business, but right now I can't. Yeah, and it ain't like I was making no living off of it. Me and my bandmates were not making any kind of living off of it in the first place. You know, so. This is another thing I'm doing to keep it alive, but it's been totally worth it. You know, all the people I send stuff to, they they'll spread the word, they'll share what what I sent them online, they'll take nice pictures of it, and it's just awesome, man. They, you know, you gave somebody, so I love giving gifts, and they people love getting gifts, and then it's just cool when they you can see that they're happy about it enough to take the time, take a take a picture of it, and put it online, say some nice stuff about it, and tell other people to listen to you know. And it's just I love that about it. Yeah. I just don't get that. I don't get that same. I don't get that same experience on Facebook. On Facebook, I just feel like every experience is almost awkward as shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like this, things are not like this in person. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, one of the best times that I had hanging out online was with uh, Devin from Cocknews. Commander PP. Yeah. He's passed now, but, man, I had such a good time hanging out. But all, me, me and his hanging out would revolve around YouTube videos. And we just like, man, too bad. Like, you can't just hang out on YouTube like this. We were both yeah. like, yeah, fuck, we'd be off Facebook so fast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was some good time. Man, that guy, Eddie Ford from self-made monsters is pretty good friends with him. I mean, not to mention that I seen, that's how we know him yeah, in the yeah. first place. Yeah. Them being friends in the first place. But, uh, man, that guy told me about so many good bands and, and I never would have heard of mm. ever. It's good, really great stuff. And, and old, like lost classic rock stuff that I don't know, you know, it's out there on YouTube now, but like, you know, and they were like, probably it was like probably stuff that had a thousand or less copies ever. Yeah. And now it, it exists on YouTube, 
you know, because maybe one person from the band back in, you know, 1971 or whatever, you know, kept up with the stuff and yeah. put it on YouTube in like the early 2000s or something, and now it's it's out there again. Some of the things have seen re-release, I think, and, you know, but, man, that guy, he always had great suggestions. The one that always sticks out is a band called Soggy from France. Mm. The song's called Waiting on the War. <laughs> really good, man. When he showed me that, I was like, dude, this kicks ass. <laughs> this is so damn good. I don't know how much more you've got to talk about if you've got anything else. I've been recording for an hour and 41 minutes. I normally would record longer. If you were here in person, we'd record longer. But I'm kind of thinking if I want to release this this week, you know, this might be enough to work with. Man, I don't care if you keep it real short and trim it all down the music. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't, man. I, like I say, man, when I come on and talk to you on these things. I know parts for the show, but then I just get lost in just talking yeah, to you because yeah. we're friends. And- that's that's kind of how I feel about it, too. Like, we just end up talking about some stuff. And, and I think, you know, there, there is some of it I'll, I'll cut down for sure. But I'll, I'll get it all edited up this week. And like I said, if you want to release it Friday, we can you can release it, and I'll release the episode sometime Friday, too. And that'd be fine with me. I just don't think it'll change things for me one way or the other. It could be Friday or whenever, and I think the reaction will be more or less the same. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, even, even if you release at the same time that Cap released his, it wouldn't, I don't think it would matter too much. But I, I'm always kind of like all for sort of staying out of the way of somebody else when they're releasing something. Yeah, man, like, man, with my reach, with my music, it's not like I got all these, you know, people that are like, strangers for the most part waiting on it to drop or whatever man most of people are going to listen to me and stuff you know i've like i've connected with them in some way even if it's just the most loose connection ever you know and that's why that's where i get my listens and, and appreciation from you know it's not like i've got you know a, a big following or nothing so i don't it, it, i don't think it'll matter one way or another for me i know if you have a big following like that and a lot of you know, a lot of people that are waiting and stuff, right when you come off with something really matters. But I think for me and the kind of little fan base I got going, it don't matter one way or the other. Yeah. You know, I'm not the same impact <laughs> regardless. They'll, they'll check it out when they see it on my page. That's about how I do things, you know. But, you know, I don't just do things recklessly. I just really kind of don't know how to do promotion right on the internet. I know there's all these things, you read all these advice things mm-hmm. about how to do it and. I don't know. It just don't register well with me. I just, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's hard to have all that energy to do that business side of stuff, and it's the creative side you care about. And when it don't matter what you do, Facebook's always or the whatever platform you're using, they're always sort of fighting against you because they want you to pay to promote your shit. And then, then even if you pay for it, it's such a limited reach anyway. It's almost like why did I pay for that? But uh, they want you to pay for shit, so they're not going to let like let you do too much with your just regular promotion anyway. So you can try to work the algorithm all you want to, unless you're putting money in Facebook's pocket or Instagram's pocket, which is Facebook again, or whoever to pay for those sponsored ads. (laughs) It's, it's, you're, you're kind of chasing your own tail still. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. 
But uh, man, I was trying to think if there's anything else interesting to talk about. I did have a couple of notes on my phone, but I don't know. I don't think I think I've covered it all. Yeah, I was going to yeah. make a bunch of notes about stuff I wanted to talk about, and I didn't. And and now I'm like, I don't even really. I thought I was going to talk more about the podcast, but I can't really think of anything. Um, the only thing I was. Oh, go you go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I, man, I was going to say if you want if you want to cut this thing pretty short and just cut out all the shit we talked about and just focus on the music and make it one of them like shorter yeah. bonus episodes you do, that might be better. Well, it's I, like I said, I mean, you know each other. So we talked. I can't remember what I've told you, what I haven't told you, what I told you on the show, what I told you off the show. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so well, we can just keep it down to business if you want to. And I, I'm a terrible spokesperson for myself. <laughs> I, I figure this one, will, this one will probably end up being around an hour. I mean, it won't be like an hour and a half or two hours long. It'll be around an hour. And we'll talk mostly about that. I'll leave the stuff in where I talk about the podcast a little bit. And I do have one more thing I was going to sort of talk about that I, I've already figured out how I'll tie into it. But um, but it'll be about an hour, and it'll have some music in it. It'll have the song at the end, and that'll, that'll be good because I have two episodes coming out this week. I haven't started editing the first one. I was going to start it last night, but after I got that news last night, I was like, fuck, I just didn't feel like it. And Dude, I, I was going to so get bad for you, man. <laughs> and I was going to get up today, and like I was like, okay, well, if I get up in time to do it a little bit before we record the podcast, I can edit a little bit then, and then I'll edit afterwards. And then I got up just with a headache, and it was like, God damn it! It's like everything's working against me this weekend. So I'll be editing that one over the next couple of nights. I'll start tonight, um, Wednesday and Thursday. I'll have time to edit this one, so I'll, I'll get it all edited down. But um, but that is one thing I was going to say. Like, so I do. Sometimes people might listen to the podcast and hear a lot of this because I leave a lot of background stuff in a lot of like when I first start the call up, we're having technical difficulties. And when uh sometimes like when we're getting ready to take a break and I leave all this stuff in, it sounds like, oh, man, why wouldn't he cut that shit out? The, the podcast is still very heavily edited. It's just I leave that stuff in on purpose because I, I think it, it gives a little bit more. It makes it seem a little bit more personal. And maybe I don't know. That's that might be a weird way of putting it. It gives people some insight into the podcast. And so it's yeah. like, I, I like leaving in the, the, the bumps and the, the warts and stuff like the, all oh, this is the stuff that they would have cut out if this was on TV. But yet I do cut out a lot of other stuff. And that got, that, that's just shown with all the e- extra stuff that I end up putting online with some of these episodes. It's kind of informative to other people that want to do it as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think when you listen to a really well-produced radio show or something, you're like, oh, they never have trouble. or they, do. You know what I mean? But, you know, I don't know. It's part of the DIY thing. Man, a lot of people get really discouraged when things don't go really easy. Yeah. You know, they don't go their way right away. I think it's important for people to know that when you're making art of any type, you're going to hit bumps and snags and all that stuff, and it's just part of the process, you know. But some of them accidents that occur are going to be happy accidents. They're going to make your stuff better. Oh, yeah. I've run into an that. idea you'd have never had just sitting there trying, you know, racking your brain. There's been times like the, the Brandy and the Butcher episode when, when we were having so many problems with it at the beginning. I was like, while I was sitting there interviewing him, I thought, oh, I can use this to my advantage. I can use this. This, this will actually work really well for the story. And it made it, I thought, I thought it made it kind of fun. I mean, it was a little bit like at the beginning, people might be like, what the fuck's going on? He's having all these audio problems. But then once it's addressed and the way I work it in, it actually works out really well. You know, I yeah, just, I just, cool. I take it and I build the story with that in mind. And I'm like, you know, I'd, like you said, it, it kind of shows people that DIY, everything's not perfect. Everything doesn't go always as planned. And I could cut it all out and make it sound professional and like that shit never happened, but. 
I, I kind of like the fact that that shit happens because that's that's a part of the story. That's what I like about our stories is that it's not always the good stuff that happens. It's sometimes we talk about the bad shit that happens. Well, man, I want people to know that a lot of times when I get music done, I've done it by the skin of my damn teeth, really. Like, yeah. I don't have all the time in the world to do this stuff. And I have all kinds of responsibilities like anybody else. Like, you know, so if you hear one of my records and something seems a little off or, you know, or you're like, well, why does that sound that way or something? It's like, you know, I'm, I'm doing these things when I can. And some things are very purposeful and some things are haphazard. And you got to work within the time period I got and the tools I got and the budget, you know, which my budget is always the same. And that's do it as cheaply as possible. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's no budget. It's all you know. Well, I would <laughs> I've say got some decent gear, but nothing's top of the line except for like my computer's really nice. You yeah, know, well, I would say that all. Like to that, like I don't think there's a single Van Huskins recording out there that doesn't have at least a couple of mistakes in it, and some of them are pretty glaring. But you know, it's like we realize that what we're working with, the time we're working with, the everything else. It's like you know, <laughs> we're gonna let some of the warts show because it's punk rock. And then, of course, if we had more money and more time and all that stuff, we'd fix all that stuff. But whatever, you know, it gives it a little bit of character, I think. Well, you know, some things nowadays are so, like, over, I don't know, every hair, little hair is combed in place. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah. you listen to a lot of the most appreciated classic records. There's stuff all over them, you know. There's a bunch of Beatles songs with coughs in the middle of them yeah. and stuff like that. <laughs> You don't focus on that stuff. You know, you know what I mean? Sometimes you do, but you, know, you end up liking it. You're just like, man, I can't believe they left that in there. They figured, well, take was so good. The rest of it ain't going to get no better than that. We'll just live with the call. Yeah. You know, you know, or, or whatever. They didn't, Maybe they didn't ever notice until after it was printed and out there. And, like, listen to it on vinyl when it come out. Like, shit, we left the cough in that damn thing. <laughs> you know, or whatever. But I, I like hearing anomalies. There, There's old websites uh, devoted to Beatles anomalies, mm-hmm. and it's all descriptions of like you, you know, you know, on this on such and such song, you know, Ringo farts and you hear it bounce off the vinyl on the seat, you know, <laughs> whatever the hell, you know, just like nothing like that. But you know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. it's like sometimes you're just like, damn, how do people hear this? And then you hear it, and you're like, damn, that is there, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody says something in the middle or something like. Man, uh, a lot of people don't realize it, but on Louie Louie, the drummer screams out fuck at one point. <laughs> it's kind of inaudible, you know, whatever they say. He dropped a stick or something in the take and just went, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you can like, hear it. I'll, I'll listen for it. Next, know where to look for it. Yeah, I'll listen for it next time I listen to that song. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because supposedly all the people that gave Louie Louie a hard time over analyzing the lyrics and getting them wrong and thinking it was about a bunch of dirty stuff totally missed that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I love that story. If anybody doesn't know that story, you should look it up. The the whole like controversy over the Louie Louie lyrics, which were totally <laughs> clean except for that one anomaly. But like the people who were trying to claim it was a foul song, the lyrics they come up with were really just like because they it was that wasn't the lyrics. It really was just like a reflection on the those people's yeah <laughs> nasty little minds. <laughs> <laughs> It's hilarious. I mean, it's like they the the whole story is that the the main assumption is that they assume because they were kind of unintelligible, they must be bad. You must be hiding <laughs> yeah. something. You're not enunciating clearly. <laughs> <laughs>
Before I decided to come back with the prehistoric John thing, I had an idea of something to do to hold me over. It was totally stupid. And what what I was going to do was I was going to do parodies, like Weird Al or something. (laughs) But I was going to do it like, this is how I was going to pull it off real cheap. I was going to find karaoke versions of the song I was parodying and then just do the parody lyrics over the karaoke version. Yeah. And I wrote two songs. One was a one was a parody of "Addicted to Love" by Robert Palmer. Yeah. And it was "Addicted to Snuff" about dipping. Okay. And and then the other one was uh, I changed Mexico by um, James Taylor to Texaco, and it was all about like people that hang out at convenience stores all the time. <laughs> everybody, everybody knows, you know, all them. Yeah. You know, and and uh, "Addicted to Snuff" was stupid as shit, and then. Texaco was pretty good, but I realized after both of those, like writing them, I was just like, I'm not clever enough for this game. And parodies (laughs) are just kind of like they wear off real fast. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna have the attention span to do like an album's worth of these. But I had an idea. What I wanted to do was record like an album's worth of them and have a record, and then I wanted to have a show prepared. And like that would be the show. Like my computer plays those karaoke versions, and I just do the vocals over it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I was, and I was going to make, like, 
that, no, that, that's what my idea. I was going to do a party. I was inspired by the Dolomite movie, the the um, Eddie Murphy, where Eddie Murphy oh, yeah. is Dolomite. Yeah, that's how he was making his record. You just throw a party, and they'd do the songs and the skits in front of all the people. So you had all the people yeah. laughing. So you had the laugh track. That's what. I, that's how I wanted to make the record. I want to do that. I was really inspired by that. And that's like the whole thing Blowfly was doing stuff. And all that, and, I, and so I was wanting to do that, but I, I realized that, like, you know, I just I wouldn't have the attention span to do it. That'd be funny to me, and it would be enjoyable and a good release for one or two songs for me. But like, I, 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 that's not that's just not me. As I, and I'm not, I, I had some pretty clever stuff in some of the songs, but I'm not. You got to be really clever to like make that a thing. Like, it, oh, it, yeah. it did kind of give me a new appreciation for the people that do those, you know, because parodies like they're just silly. They don't. A lot of parodies are awful. They're not good. Like all yeah. the ones that are on the morning radio shows are yeah. garbage. <laughs> but some of them real masters of the craft, you know, your blowflies and people like that, they, uh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Ridiculous. But Weird Al, you know, Weird Al was a big thing when I was growing up. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of me. people got, got into music through him, too, because it so made it funny, you know. Like, when you're a little kid, you don't understand a lot of things that are in songs. Yeah. But you're going to understand lasagna, you know. He sings <laughs> about lasagna. You know? Singing about Captain <laughs> Crunch and Raisin Bran, you know. You're going you're gonna to know about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I used to write these little stupid parodies and that when I was a kid. And, uh, like, I wrote one called Talk Baby to Me, which was a parody of Talk Dirty to Me. And it was about basically talking like a baby <laughs> and then when some of my parodies were like they weren't even funny they were just it was like a well i'm just changing the lyrics so this is a story about this person lying and like being in pain <laughs> just like <laughs> but there's nothing funny yeah. about it now i think that's when i realized i gotta give this up <laughs> and here in upper cleveland county they, like when i was growing up it was like it was almost like there was like a rich tradition of messing so we used to call it fucking up songs man look at this yeah. song i fucked up you know and like <laughs> that's what we'd call we like a lot of, we knew what parodies were some of us knew the word and stuff but mostly just called it fucking up songs yeah. you know and, and then there was yeah somebody always had something you know some it, it wasn't just limited to one or two kids or something like everybody was doing it too. Yeah. <laughs> whatever song was popular and on the radio it got a treatment you know it got, probably got several treatments you know so that that's just always stuck with me and man when i was traveling out on the road i would meet other people that was into that and would do it a lot yeah and one of the one of these guys was I met him the first time in Charleston. He was the uh, merch guy for the Dwarves. Yeah, he would go by the name Paul Bear. Okay, yeah, he is so into that. And sometimes he had some of the funniest ones, man. <laughs> and it would just knock your socks off. He'd be so fucking funny, man. <laughs> and uh, I saw him a couple other times after that, and he would do he would do all the ones he had. You know, yeah. he would turn out. Have you ever seen the rain? And have you ever smoked cocaine and stuff? <laughs> <laughs> It was just always something, man. It's, he always had one, and and sometimes he would have songs that that had versions back here, but there was a different version, you know, that he knew. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was kind of interesting, but but uh, yeah, I just couldn't, I could, I couldn't make an honest go at that. It's just, it, it's funny to me uh, as a party thing and jokes and in passing, but it wasn't going to make for good entertainment coming yeah. from me. Really. It was just, <laughs> not not in the bigger scope and a record and all, you know. This has been a Gabba Gabba Hunt Media Production. I think if our if our country had a you know put a bigger emphasis on the importance of education, 
we wouldn't be complaining about a lot of things we're complaining about yeah. right now. And probably ride out this pandemic a lot better, but there's some countries where education is highly prioritized, and they're not. It's not perfect for them either, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just human nature to reject things. To oh, you want me to do this thing? I don't want to do it now. <laughs> yeah, you probably heard that thing like within households, or somebody's like about to do something, and somebody asks them to do it or tells them to do it, and they're like, "Well, I want to do it till you told me to." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> feel like you're bossing me That's what I was getting ready to do. But now that you said something about it, no. <laughs> It's like I was just getting ready to do that, but you called me a motherfucker for not doing it. So now I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit. Man, I, I'll I'll finally hush now. I, yeah. Man, I've just been happy to talk to somebody and stuff.